Good morning. We begin today's daf, Gitin, Ayin Hey, Gitin 75. We begin by thanking our sponsors. We begin by thanking the Talmud Torah sponsor for the month of Av. We thank Benjamin and Ellis Wolf from all, expressing thank you from all those who do not have the opportunity to be here in person, expressing their thank you to Maishi Abramson and to Jeremy Lassen. We all appreciate all that Maishi and Jeremy do. Thank you so much. As well, we thank Larry and Lara Franks for sponsoring the Shurim of the Week. All the Shurim of the Week is Eschos for Rafur Shlema, Prachayimira, Bat Sara, and Sara Bat Elisheva. You should both have a Rafur Shlema, Bimhera Bakarev. We also thank Yanki and Lisa Statman for sponsoring Dafyomi, and the Eschos for Rafur Shlema for Chayarifka Bas Nechama. She should have a Rafur Shlema, Bimhera Bakarev. Today's daf is daf Ayin Hey. We are going to begin. Six lines up from the bottom on Ayin Dalit Amad Beis. So that, that first wide line at the bottom of the page. So just by way of introduction, the Pasuk, the Psukim in Parshas Behar describe the halachas of somebody who sells real estate in a walled area, an area that has a wall from the time of Yoshua Benun, Valach it's the Ishki Yimkar base Moshav Irchoma, Vahosa Gulose Atom Shnas Munkaro, Yamim Tia Gulose, Pasuk and Pashus Bahar, in Vayikra Chavhei Pasuk Chavtes, where they basically describes if a person sells real estate in a walled city from the times of Yeshua Benun, then the halacha is any time within the first year of that sale the seller of the property can just go and buy back that property from the buyer. So essentially the first year of a real estate purchase in these areas, it's kind of up in the air. If the seller will go all the way through with the purchase, then ultimately the real estate is sold and the buyer owns the property and the seller loses the property. However, if at any point in time during that year, the seller decides he would like to go ahead and buy it back, then he has the rights to go buy back and buy back the property. Now, what the Gemara is going to describe is that many times people would wait until the last minute, most likely because the reason why they sold the property in the first place was because they needed the money. And the person really wanted to own the property and he hoped that within the first year, he'll be able to pull the resources together to be able to buy the property back. Now, what would happen is if he waited until the last minute, then the buyer of the property is saying to himself, I have, his countdown clock is running. He's saying, I have seven days left to finalize the sale, six days left to finalize the sale, five days, four days, three days, two days, one day, and he says to himself, it's the last day that the seller can come back and buy back the property. If he buys it back today, I lose the real estate. If he does not buy it back today, it's mine forever. The sale is absolute. So what would the guy do on the last day? He'd go out of town. He'd all of a sudden just go missing that day. And the guy, the seller, wants to buy back his property, is you know, going to every shul in town. Has anyone seen Yanko? Has anyone seen Yanko, the real estate guy? And you know what? The guy is gone. He's missing. So the Gemara is going to describe what Hillel Hazakin did to take care of that problem. It's not awesome. We learned in a Mishnah, in Erechit, Barushona originally Nitman Yom The guy who sold the property would hide on the very last day of the twelve months, Kidei Shihei Lo, 
It's like this. So the guy who bought it, sorry, the guy who bought the property would hide on the last day of the 12 months. It's like this. The sale should be absolute. Hiskin Hilazakin. Hilazakin went ahead and made a takon. He created like a safety deposit box where if the guy cannot find the seller, and he could just go ahead and deposit the, pro- the amount of money necessary to buy back the property. He would go break down the door and go into the piece of property that we were discussing, and he'd be able to go in. So he would pay the money, which is a monetary payment. However, monetary payment is not enough for real estate. So therefore, he would also physically enter the property that he actually is going to be buying back, and then he has the opportunity, opportunity on the very last day of those 12 months of that year to buy back the property that he sold. Now the guy could come whenever he wants, he can come out of his hiding place and go take the money. Rava says, Because now we understand what the Taqan of Hillel was, Nishma, we could actually derive a halacha that's relevant to us. What's the halacha we're talking about? Going back to the discussion of our Mishnah, the person says to his wife, here is your get, you are divorced on condition that you're going to give me 200 zuz. And she gave it to him. The halacha is, if she did it with the full will and the knowledge of the husband, then indeed the get is going to work and the, the divorce will take place. Al-Karcho, if it was against his will, the money was given to the guy, against his will, Eina Mugureshes. The, the, the Gerashin, the divorce, does not actually take place. And the Gemara explains how we know this. In the from the fact that Hillel needed to be able to establish when it comes to the real estate refund, to the repurchase of the real estate, then he established, he made a takana, that you're able to forcibly give the money to buy back the real estate, mechlal, top of ayin hei amar aleph, mechlal, this implies, dibe'alma nesina ba'akarche, lo havinesina. This indicates that under normal circumstances, if you're going to present somebody with money, whatever the conditions of that monetary transaction are, but if you're going to forcibly give somebody money, it doesn't work. In other words, only in a case where Hillel actually established, a, he made a takana, he instituted a policy, that you could deposit that money against the guy's will, under those circumstances, can a forced monetary transaction actually have an effect. However, in our case of Gittin, where the guy says, here is your divorce document, and you are going to be divorced on condition that you give me 200 zoz, the Gemara derives from that case that it would not work, because only where Hillel actually made a takana is it going to work to forcibly give money. But in this case, if she shows up with 200 zoz, and he says, I don't want you 200 zoz. In such a case, the Gemara wants to say that the garish and the divorce will not take place unless he willingly accepts the money. Maskiflora Papa. Rapapa asked, a question to Rava on, on, on his logic. He said to him, the, some said it was actually Rav Simvarashi who asked the question, he says, hold on a second, how are you deriving that halacha from this takan of Hillel Azokin, the Dilma, perhaps, ki He says, you just met your, the, the, 
the comparison is just, it's lacking some of the information over here. What was the problem that Hillel was dealing with? The guy went out of town. The guy's gone. He went away. All of a sudden, he's in the Bahamas. No one could find him. So now the guy's not here. So Hillel needed to find a way that he could create some type of safe to deposit where the guy could go ahead and deposit the cash and he can go into the house and redeem his real estate. But here we're talking about a husband and a wife. The husband is in front of us. She shows up with the money. The, the cases are incomparable. Maybe in that case, you don't need Hillel's takana. You could just go. She could just go, give him the money, whether he likes it or not. She fulfilled the condition and the divorce is going to be complete. Now, the, the rubber does not answer. Rubber does not bother responding. You know, when, the, when you have a kasha that's asked, the question that's asked to Rava or to anybody, and there's no response, there's two ways of looking at that. Either he didn't have a response, and therefore the question was such a good question, so therefore maybe he's going to have to concede. Or you could say the other way around. He just didn't even think the question was even worth giving an answer to. The Gemara is not clear as to how he views it, but the Gemara goes on and says that perhaps, the Gemara actually maybe says the inverse, maybe it was the other way around. Because the Amri, some understood Rava the opposite. Amar Rava, mitakhanasa shalhilel, hareza gitech, amanashe titni limasayim zuz, venasnalo, beinidaito, beinbalkarcho, havenusina. Some actually learned that what we were learning, that Rava was learning was exactly like the question that Rav Papa or Rav Simi Barashi was asking, which was, <clears throat> we can actually derive from the Takana of Hillel with regard to the real estate repurchase in Walled Cities, you can actually learn that when a woman is given a get on condition that she come up with 200 zoz, that if she shows up with the money, whether he wants to accept it or does not want to accept it, under any condition, the divorce is going to be complete. complete. <laughs> Why was it necessary for Hillel to institute a takan over here? It was Shalom Afana, because the guy is gone. Under those circumstances, Hillel actually has to create some type of institution of how the seller can redeem his property. If the guy would have been here, whether the guy willingly accepted the money or the guy accepted the money by force, it's ultimately going to be considered to be a nasina. It's going to be a transfer of the money. The condition will be fulfilled, and therefore the divorce will be complete. And now, the way that Ika the Amri understands this, Maskif Lo Rav Papa Barashi. On that, Rav Papa, others understand that it was the Sim Barashi who asked the question. They said, "Hold on a second. How can you derive that halacha from the Takana of Hilazakim Vidilma Afilu Bafanov Namimi Daito In Al Karcholo?" Maybe it's possible that if the guy is present, then it would depend. If it was given willingly, then it would work. If it was given against his will, it would not work. Now, hold on a second. How come Hillel made that takan? The Gemara says, Hillel was dealing with a very specific circumstance. He was dealing with an issue that the guy disappeared, so he made a takana in a case of Shlobofanov. But ultimately, that doesn't mean that you could derive this halacha for any other case. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but if you look at Rashi, Rashi seems to understand that it's a given that Hillel's Takana would be relevant for every case of monetary transactions. In other words, we're not going to say that Hillel's case was only for that one specific circumstance of rebuying your real estate that was sold within a walled city. However, the, the problem to pull the comparison to our case is because we're not dealing with a monetary issue. We're dealing with an issue of marriage. Marriage is, is, is under the category of Isura. 
whether a person is married, not married, whether a, a woman can get married to somebody else, she can't get married to somebody else, that is in the category of Yisura. So therefore, it's not at all clear that Hillel's Takana, which allows a person to get to to complete a transaction against the will of the other party involved, it could be that that works for monetary transactions, but it does not work when it comes to transactions that would actually have a consequence with regard to halachas of Isra and Heter. Amar Rabbah Barbachana. Rabbah Barbachana continued, he said, Amar Yochanan, Any time we quote from Shimon ben Gamliel in our Mishnayis, Halacha Kamosa, the Halacha actually follows his opinion. Chutz, besides four, Me'arev, Vitzidon, Veraya Achrona. Three cases where we're not going to pass in like Shimon Gimliel. What is that? Just very quickly, Arev is when a person guarantees a loan, he cosigns it alone. Now, Halacha is that if the, origin, if the borrower cannot pay back, then we go to the cosigner. There's a machlokus whether or not person could just sidestep the borrower and go straight to the cosigner. Sometimes the lender lends money to a particular borrower, and he realizes that this borrower is just too difficult to deal with. He says, there's a cosigner on the loan. I don't even want to bother going to the borrower. I'll just skip the borrower and go to the cosigner. There's machlokus whether or not that can be done. We do not pass in that case. But Tzidon was our case. The story in Tzidon with the jacket, with the coat, whatever, some type of clothing that was given. That's the case in our Mishnah. And Raya Achrona is another discussion when a person presents in Basin and ultimately claims that I am presenting all my claims that I have. And he says, this is my final Raya, my final proof that I am correct. And then afterwards they retract. So there's a machlokas whether or not we allow the retraction to take place. Can the person say, you know what, I actually presented my final argument, but now what, I just thought of something new, so I have something else I'd like to say. So again, in that case, we do not pass the Shimon Ben Gamliel. Tanar Abana. A person presents his wife with a get, and it says, here is your get. However, the actual paper of the get is mine. So you can have the idea, the concept of this get is yours, but the paper belongs to me. What's the halacha? That doesn't work. Why? Because as Rashi points out, the person says, he has to put it in her hand. If he's telling her at that point in time, that he's not even giving it to her. It's just like a ceremonious uh, transaction where I'm putting something in your hand which belongs to me. That's not for somebody else. He's not giving it to her. And the the Brisa continues, and she's almanaz shetak ziri on condition that you will return the paper to me. Talacha is mugureshes the 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 garrison. The divorce does work. Gemara is obviously going to follow up with a question, which is. What's the difference? In both cases, he said to her that I'm giving you this get, but you've got to give it back. So what's the difference if he said, on condition that the paper belongs to me, or on condition that you give the paper back to me? Essentially, they're exactly the same thing. Now just to help us understand the next uh, half an amud, just the Gemara is going to go through a number of possible scenarios as to why in one case it would work, and in another case it's not going to work. Now, it's going to be interesting because a lot of the information that we're going to present really has nothing to do with this particular case. It's just halachos with regard to anything tenai related, anything condition related. There's something called mishpatea hatenayim, which is that when a person would like to make any type of condition in any transaction, the condition needs to be made with certain conditions. 
You can't just make a condition. And we learn the concept of a tenai, a condition, a contingency on a transaction from the story of Bnei God, Bnei Ruvain, when they're coming into Eretz Yisrael, what happened was Bnei God, Bnei Ruvain observed that the land on the other side of the Yardin was actually better for their animals. So they, they presented to Moshe Rabbeinu, can we actually have this land? So Moshe said to them, here's the deal. If you come with us and you fight against the inhabitants and you help us actually conquer Eretz Yisrael, then yes, you can have that land. But if you don't come fight with us, then no, you can't have that land. So from that condition, we learn a lot of the halachas of Tanayim. What the Gemara is going to do is present a number of possible scenarios as to why in one case, conditioning the return of the paper is going to ultimately be a good condition and has the ability to affect the divorce. In another case, it's not going to be a good condition and therefore it does not have the ability to be able to affect the divorce, the tenai is going to go away, the condition, the contingency will be erased from our scenario, and that allows the get, the, get, the divorce to take place. So the Gemara says as follows, and it's also important to point out, we, we discussed previously that, I think in yesterday's Amud, the, the, the idea, the concept of when a person makes a condition, is it me'achshav? In other words, when does it take place? Is it now or does it only take place when the condition is fulfilled? This is a very important Rashi over here. Rashi is about a third of the way down. Rashi is ma'ish narration ma'ish ma'seifa. Kasalka daite. We are understanding at this point in the Gemara, al-menas, that when a person pr- proposes a condition upon which the transaction will be hanging. It's love me'achshav. At this point, we're understanding it's not as if it happens from now. And that's why it's going to be very important. We're going to see that one of the answers the Gemara is going to give is that no, we're actually saying that the transaction takes place now. In other words, just to be clear, there's two ways of understanding how a condition can work. A condition can work where I'm saying everything is finalized now, contingent on something happening later. Another way of understanding it is that everything is on hold until the condition actually takes place. So the Gemara understands at this point in time that it's lav me'achshav. In other words, the divorce does not happen until you fulfill the condition. And that's ridiculous. Because you go, a person goes to a woman and says, here's your gap. You will be divorced when you return to get to me. That doesn't make any sense. How could she become divorced only at the time that she gives the get back to him? That's why the Gemara says we can't begin to understand why in a case where a person says, here's your get on condition that the paper's mine. All right, everybody agrees that doesn't work. The paper's yours, you haven't done anything. But how in the world can a divorce actually take place on condition that you give the paper back to me. In other words, you're going to be divorced when you give the paper back to me. That's just missing the entire idea of how a get works. That's why the Gemara is so baffled by this idea that the get the, the, the divorce should actually work when she gives the paper back. Therefore, the Gemara is just going to, have to go to try to find any type of scenario that would help us understand the difference between the ratio and the Sefer. The Gemara says, the first proposed answer is, what we're explaining over here is <coughs> that the truth is, remember in our Mishnah, 
Shemagim will explain when a person makes a condition that he wants something returned to him, he doesn't necessarily need the actual item. In the, the case of the Mishnah, she was supposed to return a garment. She lost it. Shemagim Gamliel says, don't worry about it. It's not a problem. Just give the money back. So in our case, Shemagim Gamliel could say, she's not going to actually give the divorce document back to, the, to her ex-husband. She'll give him the money. How much did the parchment cost? Five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred dollars. So she won't give the actual paper back. She just gives the money back. And that's why the Gemara's understanding at this point in time, if she, if he says, you're divorced on condition that you give me back the paper, what he meant was, you're divorced on the condition that you pay me the value of the paper. And that, that actually makes sense. You can make such, such a condition. She can actually give him the monetary value. She can actually appease him by giving him the value of the paper, not the actual get. Maybe Shimon is of the opinion that she can return the value of the paper when the, when the item is not here. In the case of the Mishnah, she was supposed to return the coat. The coat got lost. So what's she supposed to do at that point in time? She gives the money. She gives the value of the coat. But of course, everybody would agree that if the coat is still here, she should actually give the coat, the coat back. So in our case, how could you say that he's satisfied getting the money? The paper's right here in front of us. So she would have to give the, the paper back. When the, when the actual item is here, how do we know that Rishon Gamliel allows the woman to return the value and not the actual item? Therefore, Abaya says, I have a new proposal as to why the condition that you must give that back to paper is not going to ruin the divorce. Hamani Rabbi Meir here. Rabbi Meir This Raisa is actually... Go following the opinion of Rabbi Meir, the Amar He says, anytime you make a condition, it has to be a double condition. You have to express what happens if you do do this and what happens if you don't do that. Just like we saw when it came to the Bnei God of Bnei Ruvain, Moshe said to them, if you will come and fight with us, then you will get the land. And he did not leave anything to their imagination. He didn't say, he didn't allow them to start thinking, what happens if we don't go fight? He expressed to them clearly and very explicitly, if you don't come fight, you won't get the land. What happened in our case? In our case, he said, on the condition that you return the paper. He didn't express what happens if she does return the paper. So therefore, his condition will not take effect. And therefore, the condition goes away and the divorce actually does take effect. So we're following Hamani Rabbi Meirhi, Dom Rabbi Inan he did not actually um, repeat the second half of the tonight. I'm just going to point out that it's a very strange answer to give. And the reason for this is because we don't find that every time a Mishnah proposes a condition, that the Mishnah uses the exact language that needs to be used in order for that condition to, be, to, to take effect. Most times you have a condition in the Mishnah, the, the Mishnah just expresses what the condition is, now you need to be an educated person to know exactly how to implement that condition, and then you follow that. But again, the Gemara over here is taking it very literally to say the reason why it doesn't work is because his language did not express both sides of the condition. 
The reason why it doesn't work is because he didn't actually double up the second half of the condition. If he would have indeed doubled up the second half of the tonight, you're saying it wouldn't be a get. Hold on, let's check this out a little bit. Call tonight, any tonight, all the lachas of tonight, where do we learn that from? Like we said earlier, from the tonight that Moshe Rabbeinu made with the tribes of God and Ruvain. So hold on a second. Mahasam, this is another problem. Mahasam, tonight, kaidim lamaisa. In those cases, you have to first express the condition that needs to be followed, and then express what will happen as a result. Ah, kol tonight, Every time you make a condition, you have to first say, if you will do the following, then the result will be the following. So if you will go and fight with us, then you'll get your property on the other side of the Yarde. In our case, what did he say? He said, Here is your divorce document. So first he expressed the Maisa, he expressed the result of what's going to happen, and then only afterwards he said, Almanas, on condition you give you back the paper. So his language is not going to work. In other words, once you're going to start going down this, root of looking at his language over here and analyzing whether or not this language is good language to implement the condition, you have to take all of them into account. Now Rashi actually adds something else here, which is the idea of a tznai kafal, the idea that you have to have both sides of the condition being expressed, that's not, una- that's not unanimous. Not everybody agrees with that. However, on this point, everyone does agree. So in other words, if you're trying to express a problem with the condition, in our Gemara, so the problem in your condition should be not that he didn't double it, but he actually, that he expressed the mice of the story, the result, before expressing the condition. So, af kol t'nai kodem lafuki hacha, which would exclude our case, the ma'isa kodem l'tanai, because we're talking about a case where the, the story was said before the condition. Ela maravas rava therefore says, that's the problem in our Gemara. You know why? When he says, on condition that you give back the paper to me that the, the, the garrison, that the divorce is going to happen, it's because he did not know how to express a condition, a condition properly. Therefore, the condition does not work. The garrison, the divorce does work. So that, that was the third possibility. Possibility one is that, the, that it follows Possibility two is that it's not a Tanaikafal. Possibility three is that he expressed the condition before he expressed the actual result. Now we're going to present the fourth one. The reason why it didn't work is because he expressed the actual transaction, which is the divorce, before the condition. If he would have actually said that if you're going to return the paper to me, then it would have worked. Let's check this out. Once and again, once you've gone down that route of looking at and comparing it to the language used in our, in our, in our case, hold on a second. We, all, we learned all Tanayim from the condition is that you'll do A. 
and the result is that you'll get B. So in other words, you have to place a contingency. You'll get B if you do A. If you don't do A, you don't get B. It has to be two separate things. So then, Afkal, the same thing is, anytime you make a condition, it has to be that the result is going to be one thing, but the action, the, the condition will be something else. La fukihacha, we're turning now to Ayn Hay, Amr Beis at the top. The Tanai Umaisa Bedavar Ach Echad. Here, the condition and the actual result is in the same thing. He's not saying that it's going to be your get on condition that you go outside and do 100 jumping jacks in the rain. He says to her, the get, the divorce, will be good if you return the actual divorce document to me. So in other words, a tonight needs to be contingent on a, on a third item, or I should say on a second item. We're dealing with divorce. He conditions his divorce on something else. You can't say that he's going to condition the divorce on the divorce document. That's not a good tonight. So therefore, the Gemara says, once we're going down this route, I have a fourth explanation as to why the tonight didn't work in our, in our case, because the condition wasn't expressed properly. You can't make a condition on the very item that you're discussing. In our case, the reason why it didn't work, why the, again, why the tonight doesn't work and the divorce does work is because he did not know how to properly express a condition of Ashi Amar. Ashi says, Hamani Rebihi. This follows the opinion of Rebbe to Amar. Ravuna Amar Rav. Ravuna says the name of Rav. Kala Omar Amanask. Omar Me'achshav Dami. In other words, Rashi expressed to us earlier that the whole question was predicated upon the fact that we understood that the, the divorce only takes place when she'll return the get. However, what we're now understanding is that no, there's two separate times. We're talking about Kala Omar al-Manas, when a person says that the divorce will take place on condition, the divorce happens first. And then only later does she now have an obligation to go ahead and return the document, but ultimately it's me'achshav, so therefore we can understand how when he actually gave her the divorce document, she got divorced at that point in time. Now she has to fulfill a condition which is not related because the actual divorce already took place. Once we got into this discussion, we're now going to talk about a number of the halachas with regard to conditions that a shchiv mara is going to make. Iskim shmuel begita to shchiv mara. So now, a shchiv mara is not who's deathly ill. He's deathly ill, but he has enough awareness of what's going on to be able to speak about transactions. Generally speaking, when we deal with a shchiv mara, we want to make things as simple and as easy as possible. We don't want there to be a lot of bureaucracy. We don't want there to be a lot of red tape. We just want a guy to be able to, the guy is never dying. We don't want him to have any more difficulty. We don't want him to die earlier. So whatever he says is going to work. In this particular case, it was important for him that his wife should be divorced before he dies. So therefore, what he, so Shmuel says that when, it, when a shchivmara, person who's deathly ill, wants to divorce his wife, he said that what is said is as follows. Im lo mati, if I will not die, Lo get. Then the divorce should not play, take place. The imati, if I will die, yehegat. So Shmuel said that's the language that sh- should be used. Because again, the guy only wants to divorce his wife <coughs> if he's going to die. He does not want her to either fall to Yibam or be an Almana. He wants her to be able to be free, to be able to be divorced, and be able to go on. So now, 
only if he dies does he want to get to take, to take effect. So Shmuel says the proper way to say it is, first start by saying, im lo mati, if I don't die, then it won't be a get. And then express, if im mati, and if I do die, yehe get, it will be a good divorce. Gemara says, hold on. Why doesn't he start off by expressing what he wants to do? If I die, it will be a get. And then express, and if, turns out that, you know, I'm, then it won't be a good get. Morris says, we don't do that because people like to start things off more positively than negatively. Okay, Morris says, why doesn't he just say, let him just simply say, it will not be a get if I don't die. Gemara says we can't do that because we have to be able to say the tenai, the condition, for the actual result. So therefore he has to first say what the condition is instead of saying lo yeheget. Lo yeheget is the maisa, it's the story we're dealing with. He has to first express the condition of whether he dies or not. Samaskafla Rava, kol t'nai, all t'nai me'echet garmina. Where do we learn all, all t'nai from mitz'nai b'nei gav b'nei ruven? Ma'ha samhein kodum l'la. Afka l'afukihacha. Again, we also learned just a minute ago, you have to have the hein, this is what we didn't express, you have to have the yes before the no. When you make a condition, you have to first expre- express how it will work, instead of expressing how it won't work. L'afukihacha d'lav kodum l'hein. Here he's saying the condition that will make it not work. Elama Rava, so what does is, what is, what is he do? Let's clarify this. Rava says, let me explain one final time the language that's used by the Shkivmar. He says, he starts off by saying, Im lo mati lo If I don't die, it won't be a good get. Now the truth is, that's not really part of the condition. Because we first, we, we just explained, you have to first, you have to start by saying what will make it work. You can't start by saying what won't make it work. That's not the way to start a conversation. You don't start a, a, a conversation about a transaction saying, ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know all the things that are going to invalidate this sale. You first start by saying what will work. Then afterwards, in the fine print, you write what's going to actually invalidate the sale. So you don't start off, but again, nevertheless, in our case, he starts off with a parenthetical statement, which is, in lo mati lo now is when the actual condition work starts to work. He says, Imati, if I do die, Yehegeh, it will be a good divorce and she'll be free. Imlomati, so he repeats again. If I don't die, lo Yehegeh. So he sandwiches it. He starts off by saying, Imlomati, lo Yehegeh. Then he says, Imati, Yehegeh. Then he repeats again a, a third time or a second time, Imlomati, lo Yehegeh. Mark explains, Imlomati, lo Yehegeh. Why does he start with that first parenthetical statement? Because you don't start off a conversation talking about what happens if you're going to die. You start off a conversation talking about if you don't die. However, that's a problematic statement in terms of the condition work. So now, once he started off the conversation on the right leg, now he inserts the condition work. Now he says, Imati Imlomati lo in order for the condition actually to take effect, you have to first say what will make the get work and then express what will actually invalidate the get. So therefore, he adds in one extra phrase there 
just to make the language more suitable because people don't, people shouldn't start off conversations with the negative. The Mishnah continues. A person says to his wife, here's your get, you'll be divorced on condition that you'll actually serve my father. On condition that you will nurse my son. So, so again, these are proper conditions. So Kama how long does she have to actually nurse the child? Two years. Nowadays, it's not very common for people to nurse their children for two years. But in the times of Gemara, we see this also in the Sechus Ksubis, that it was considered to be very standard that, that women would nurse their children up until they are two years old. Yehuda Omar, not two years, but 18 months. Now what happens if Mesaben, if the, if, the, if the child dies, or the father dies, halacha is, it still is going to work. In other words, she, she did everything she has to do if the child or the father dies, so then she has discharged her duty. Now, if he says, Here's your get, on condition that you'll serve my father for two years. Or, on condition, if you expressly, clearly says to her, two years, the Mesa Ben, Osh Omar Av, Ef Shisham Shani, Shalobak Pada Enoget. If the father, if the child dies, or if the father says, I don't want, I don't want this woman to be serving me. And again, it's not because the mission is clear, Shalobak Pada, she didn't do anything wrong. It's not like he says, I'm better off without her. You know, she messes everything up. I don't want everything to do with her, because, because then, Every person is just going to be a poor um, caregiver. So, in other words, if she's the one who messed it up, so then she's not fulfilling her condition. She made a condition that she'll be divorced, a condition that she serves her ex-father-in-law. If she doesn't serve him properly, that's not called fulfilling your condition. However, if the father just says, you know what, I'm independent enough. I don't need someone here to serve me cereal in the morning. I can figure this one out on my own. In that case, the halakha is, ain't no get. It's still not a it's it's still not a get because she didn't fulfill the condition. If Shimon Gamlilo, remember Shimon Gamliel says Kazet get. In such a case, it will be a get. So if Shimon Gamliel argues and says, what is she supposed to do? She did everything she can to fulfill the condition, and ultimately it was out of her hands. Klaalam Shimon Gamliel, Shimon Gamliel says a rule, Kol Akeva, Sha'ina, Himena, Hareid Zaget. He expresses the, the, the rule which is any time there is some type of roadblock that doesn't allow her to fulfill her condition. But it's not her fault. It's out of her control. The halacha is, it says, if she fulfilled her condition and the divorce takes place. Now it's important to recognize, this is going to come up in the Gemara in just a minute, that Shimon Gamliel only comes up in the Mishnah at the end. Seemingly, if Shimon Gamliel is going to be mentioned all the way at the end of the Mishnah, then the first half of the Mishnah is not Rabbi Gamliel. And we'll see why that's relevant in a few, in a few minutes. Gemara says, hold on a second. Does she have to actually serve her father-in-law? Or nurse the child for such a long time? We have a b'risa that actually contradicts this. It says, Sorry, If she served her father-in-law for one day, or she served, she nursed her child, for one day, how raise again? 
it's a good get. So our Mishnah seems to indicate she's got to be available for two years. The Brisa says one day. So what's going on here? Amrochista lo kasha. It's not a kasha. We can work everything out. Harabanon, our Mishnah must be sorry. Yaharabanon, One of them is the Rabbanon, the other one is the Rishim Gamliel. The explains. Masnisin, our Mishnah is the Rishim Gamliel. Our Mishnah is Rishim Ben Gamliel, which Rishim Gamliel explained to us already earlier that when a person makes a condition, he's not specific about exactly what he wants. He just wants the benefit. If you look at Rashi, Da'amar La'el, the first Rashi after Mishnah, Titain Domel, she says that the coat gets lost, she just gives them money. Alma we see, Laharvacha Mechave. He just wants some element of gain. It wasn't specific. As long as it's necessary, that's the amount of time that she has to do it. However, the Brisa was the Rabbanan. Morris says, hold on a second. It doesn't make sense. We pointed out the Meshim Gamliel only shows up in our Mishnah at the end. So if he shows up at the end, since the end of the, of the Mishnah is Rav Shimon Gamliel, that implies duration. The first half is not Rav Shimon Gamliel. El Agmar says, The other way around. The Brisa, which says, as long as she fulfills the condition for one day, that's enough, that's Rav Shimon Gamliel. Why? To make a little bit tonight. What we find from him is that he ultimately is lenient when it comes to the fulfillment of conditions. As long as you somehow fulfill the condition, that's good enough. Just like you can fulfill the condition of returning a coat by giving the money, you can fulfill the condition of nursing the child or taking care of his father by showing up for one day. So Masnison, Rabbanon, our mission is going to be the Rabbanon. Rabbanon, Amar, Rabbanon says, Lokasha. Again, it's not Akasha. The Mishnah says one thing, the Brisa says something else. How do we deal with that? Kam, kan besasam. In our Mishnah, it was just, it was just stated. It wasn't, it wasn't expressed. However, kan b'mefarish. In the Mishnah, he was very clear where he said, I just wanted to be there for one day. So that's why. In our Mishnah, since it was just, it was not clear, the assumption is, we are on the side of caution, she has to serve for much longer. In the Brisa, he expressed, that just one day is enough, that's why one day was enough for Vashi Yomar. Vashi says, Anytime a person says anything without giving clear details about it, it's as if he has expressed it, and, it's, and that means it's Kimifarish Yom Echad. She only has to do it for one day. Kimifarish Yom Echad Dami. So the Gemara says, hold on, we learned in the Mishnah. How long does she have to actually nurse the child? Two years. Yehuda Omer, Yehuda says, 18 months. So According to the way Rava explained it, it makes a lot of sense. Because he said it depends what's said. If he expresses Stam, that means it goes for two years or 18 months. But according to Rav Ashi, that says even when a person does not give a specific amount of time, it only means one day, our Mishnah gives a lot of time she has to be available for. El Elder of Ashi Lamali, Shteshanam Lamali Shmona Sechodesh. Why do you have to have so much time? Yom Echad Sagi, it should be enough by just being there for one day. 
Gemara says, Hachi Kamer, this is what it means to say. Yom Echad Mishteishanim, Lafuke Laachar Shteishanim. What this means is, it's just giving a time frame. It's not saying she has to actually be there for 24 months or 18 months nursing the child. That's excessive. What she has to serve the father the rest of his life or for all this time, that's not what it means. It just means there's a time frame by which she has to fulfill the condition. What happens if he gives her the gap and, and he says, I'm giving you this divorce document, you'll be divorced on the condition that you nurse the child. She says, no problem. Five years later, she shows up and says, where's the child? Let me nurse him. The five-year-old says, I'm sorry, that's not what I have, want to have for lunch now. That's exactly what it means. You can't show up when the kid's five years old and say, I'm here to nurse you, and here, I want my divorce to actually take place. The mission is giving you a time frame to say, as long as you show up once, when? Within 18 months or within 24 months. That's the way Rashi understands the, the Mishnah. Which comes to exclude if she shows up after two, two years, the low, or which comes to exclude if she shows up after 18 months. The low, in such a case, the condition is not going to be fulfilled. We will stop here for today. Have a wonderful day. See you all tomorrow, Mirza Shem. Yeah, sorry. Yeah.